Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. In December, the St. Louis County Council voted 4-3 to three to create an affordable housing trust fund. It will get a small earmark from the revenue from medical marijuana sales in the county. And with that, it aims to be a starting point for encouraging quality, affordable housing. Councilwoman Lisa Clancy sponsored the bill creating the fund, and she joins us today to talk about it. Councilwoman Clancy, welcome to the show. Hello. Happy New Year. We're also joined today by Gary Newcomer. He's the Director of Operations for the Community Builders Network of Metro St. Louis. It's a nonprofit, and it was part of the coalition to help get the county's bill passed. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, Lisa, walk us through the big picture on this. Who is going to be able to use the money that's in this affordable housing trust fund? So let me start with what an affordable housing trust fund is. This is something that is starting to gain a lot of traction across the country. Um, Not sure exactly how many affordable housing trust funds exist across the country, but I've seen upwards of 700. What an affordable housing trust fund is, is it's a distinct fund that will receive ongoing dedicated sources of funding to support preservation and production of affordable housing in St. Louis County. Um, The big goal here is really to increase opportunities for families and individuals to access decent affordable homes, which we all have a right to. Um, And so in St. Louis County, this um, new policy comes at the heels of a task force that met for over a year and made some recommendations to get this uh, affordable housing trust fund established. And throughout their process, they looked at where the greatest need was in St. Louis County and identified that the greatest need is primarily in single female-headed households, households that are making less than $35,000 a year, and senior citizens. So as part of getting this off the ground in St. Louis County, we will be prioritizing um, people within those groups to make sure that we are um, delivering on where the greatest need is. So explain to us how that's going to work in practical terms. We We know there's a fund of money. We know there's these people who need housing. What happens with the money to help them um, achieve those goals? Well... I imagine um, that there will probably be, well, there's going to need to be a lot of administrative decisions made to figure out exactly how it goes from this pot of money to the people who are going to benefit directly from it. Um, So, you know, this could look like, and as we've seen in other jurisdictions, such as neighboring St. Louis City, this could look like loans, it could look like grants um, to nonprofits, other governmental entities. Um, You know, there are some parameters set out in the actual policy itself that identifies um, what Um, bodies are eligible to receive the funding, but there's some administrative decisions that are going to need to be made, and those decisions will need to be made by the Housing Resources Commission, um, which will be the governing body over this. And Gary, I understand your group is going to have a role in that. What does that look like? Well, I work for the Community Builders Network of Metro St. Louis. Um, We're essentially a coalition of community-based organizations, as well as the organizations and agencies that support them. Um, So our role is really to just try and support uh, the process. So how can we make sure that things are being implemented in a way that really works well for the communities, but also the community-based organizations that are doing the work on the ground? So will there be some sort of board of directors that's picked out? Who who decides all this? Well, you can think of it sort of as a board of directors. So the Housing Resources Commission is a body that already exists within St. Louis County. It's an appointed border commission, currently has five members, but... um, the, the bill, the policy that we now have in place um, it actually expands the Housing Resources Commission to a total of nine members. So one of the very next steps almost immediately that the county executive is working on is making some new appointments to the 
this commission. And the thing that's really unique and cool and that I'm really proud of about um, how we've expanded the size of this commission is it's going to include subject matter experts, but also people with lived experience. So Hmm. people who... um, come from the areas of St. Louis County that are most impacted by homelessness, by unemployment, by high poverty rates. And so um, I think we're helping to set a standard about what it looks like to um, broaden what we mean by qualifications and experience on these boards and commissions. So that's really going to be key in helping us, you know, set the steps for what's next and making sure that that this money, this trust fund makes the impact it needs to have. So if you're listening to this conversation, we want to invite you to join us. Have you been impacted by the cost of housing in the St. Louis area? We want to hear about that. Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Gary, I know St. Louis City has had an affordable housing trust fund for quite some time now. How does it work over on the city side of things? Well, it's it's very similar to what uh, Councilwoman Clancy had just mentioned. So there's there's a commission. Uh, that operates in the city, it's appointed, and that commission ultimately oversees the dollars that go into the fund and and distributes them to organizations and agencies around the city that provide services, whether it's affordable housing creation, affordable housing uh, prevention, so preventing the loss of units, um, and sometimes it's even used in really creative ways like uh, tenant education and organizing to really support people where they are as well. Can you give us an example of maybe a specific project that you know funding from that, from mm-hmm. the city's housing trust fund has been used to make it happen or to sustain it? Sure. So I just mentioned uh, tenant organizing education. Uh, so Dutchtown South Community Corporation in the Dutchtown South neighborhood, that's in the South City. So they had received some funds to help uh, support tenants who live in the neighborhood who uh, might want to know a little bit more about what their rights are as tenants. So as an organization, they have the resources to help bring those folks together uh, and learn from one another about what resources are out there. Now, Lisa, in St. Louis County, I know you've got some some big ambitions for this fund. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of need there and, and you want to deal with it. But at this point, we're looking at a pretty small revenue source. I understand it's going to be an estimated $50,000 in annual revenue. How do you see that amount changing over time? Well, we definitely need to increase that amount in order to make sure that that this fund can make a meaningful impact in St. Louis County. And so some of the work that that remains, you know, just establishing this is, is step one is identifying additional sources of funding. And so, you know, there were in, in the task force report that came out that led to all of this, there were some some things that were identified, but I think it's really going to be um, something that is a task for this new Housing Resources Commission um, and its new membership um, to take a look at and make some recommendations for. How much are you thinking of as the ultimate goal in terms of a funding mm. level? Not, less about the source, and how much do you think it needs to get up to in order to make an actual dent? You know, upwards of, you know, millions of dollars at okay. least. I mean, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I know that um, the task force identified, um, you know, what they felt like would make a meaningful impact. And, and that's definitely probably exceeding um, what the city has been able to fund, which is $6 million a year. And, you know, one one way to think about this, too, is to think about where the need is in St. Louis County and, what, and how to quantify it 
what the quantify um, what that need is quantified. We've got 400,000 households in St. Louis County. Over 100,000 of those households, that's over 25%, are considered cost burdened when it comes to housing. And so that's one of the benchmarks that we're using to determine what the need is. Um, cost burden technically means that you're spending over 30% of your income on housing. And if you're spending that much money on housing, we know you're not spending it on other things that you need to be spending money on. So um, I think that those kind of numbers are going to be things that folks on the Housing Resources Commission regularly look at to help determine um, how much money we're going to need to be able to make a meaningful impact here. And at the same time, just getting to this level Mm -hmm. of $50,000 and creating this fund in the first place, you did run into some political realities here. Mm -hmm. That was a four to three vote. There was some opposition to Mm -hmm. $50,000. I want to read a quote from Councilman uh, Tim Fitch, one of your colleagues on the county council. He said he couldn't support this bill. And he said, when I think of Taking tax money from people, I think of my 84-year-old father. So are we going to say that he should have less of his own money to spend so that money can go into a pot for government to then spend on affordable housing? I don't think that's the right thing to do. What would you say in response to this argument that, yeah, you're taking from people who maybe don't have additional tax money to give? Well, I don't know that we are uh, – I don't know that anyone is taking any money from the 84- or 85-year-old father at this point. I mean, at this point, we're looking at the the very modest sales tax for medical marijuana. And, um, you know, I, I tend to take a, a very um, sort of holistic and regional approach in terms of how I think about all of this. And I think that we all benefit when we all do better. And so I think that will mean some benefits to the 85-year-old father. And also, you have to keep in mind, too, that one of the areas of greatest need that was identified in St. Louis County is senior citizens over the age of 65 who are in need of of money for home repair so they can stay in place, age in place. Um, And so I, I think that there's one of the things that really excites me and gives me a lot of reason for hope um, with this trust fund is that it's going to benefit a lot of people in St. Louis County. So one thing that's really neat about affordable housing trust funds is that they're flexible and they're locally controlled. So traditionally, a lot of housing resources have come from the federal government or the state, and those have a lot of restrictions to them. They're essentially telling our community how to spend those dollars. And so affordable housing trust funds, we can be really creative with um, what we want to fund. And so we can let the solutions come from the community and from the community organizations that are working on the ground every day. And that's really exciting. At least it's exciting to me. We're talking to Gary Newcomer. He's the Director of Operations for the Community Builders Network of Metro St. Louis, as well as St. Louis County Councilwoman Lisa Clancy, um, who was instrumental in getting an affordable housing trust fund established in St. Louis County. We did get an email from one of our listeners, um, Tom. And Tom writes, wouldn't it be better to have a minimum living wage for all people so everyone can afford to buy housing in the free market, as most people already do, rather than having government subsidies or handouts for housing, food, et cetera. That's obviously a really big picture question here. Um, but Gary Newcomer, any thoughts on that? Wow, that is a very big question. Um, and I suppose my response to that is until that happens, we have to do our best <laughs> with the resources and tools we have um, to make St. Louis uh, City, County, the entire region a a safe and accessible place to live. In the real world, that's maybe not in the imminent future of happening. Maybe not. 
Um, Let's go back to St. Louis City's fund here for a minute. Now, voters had passed a law in 2002 requiring that at least $5 million be allocated to the fund. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported two years ago that the city had been shortchanging it. They were not putting in the $5 million that it actually said in the law they needed to put into it. Gary, what happened with that situation? There just hasn't been much press coverage since that initial report. Yeah, well, a lot has happened since that uh, initial report, um, and a lot of good news has happened as well. Um, It raised awareness about the Affordable Housing Trust Fund and the amazing staff and commission that's over there. It's uh, led by April Ford Griffin, and like I said, her staff is incredible. Um, And when people knew a little bit more about the Affordable Housing Trust Fund, they knew why it was important. And so we've actually seen funding going to the city's Affordable Housing Trust Fund. It went back up to that minimum $5 million, and then mm-hmm. this past year, it was actually increased to $6.6 million. They actually increased it. What? Right. Um, it just seems so unusual that something ends up getting more money that it's legislatively required mm-hmm. to have. What ended up leading to that happening? Well, we learned together, so community members, organizations, and the city itself, we all learned about how impactful the Affordable Housing Trust Fund was. One big statistic we learned a couple years ago is that for every $1 the city invested, into affordable housing, it leveraged $17 of outside private and public funds. So Mm -hmm. it was bringing in a lot of resources into the community. And that means uh, not just housing, but also jobs and stable neighborhoods. It's um, better quality housing. It's just, uh, it was was really impactful. Um, And we've actually heard from all three leaders that determine, ultimately determine the budget in the city, they've all expressed a commitment to increasing funding in future years. Does anything stop the city from shorting the fund again if, say, times get tougher? Wow, that's a big question. Um, My response to that would be, let's not think about this in terms of scarcity, but in terms of abundance. We have something that works. We have funding that is available for it. So why not invest it in uh, something that's really bringing great solutions to to our communities? Lisa, on the St. Louis County level, you've now created this new fund. It has this small, but, you know, there's going to be some funding going to it. Is there anything that would prevent the county from similarly backing off that funds going um, where the, the council has asked it to go? I don't think so. And we tried to be really intentional um, through the through, you know, writing this policy to av- try to avoid that. Because one thing that, you know, when you think about some of the lessons learned from the city, they have to fight for this money every year. And so we're hoping to avoid that kind of situation, which is why it was really important for us to f- identify a pot of money that we could sustain, such as this medical marijuana, which, you know, again, it's a modest down payment to get this started. But as we look towards other sources of funding, I think we're going to have sort of the same priorities, something that we can depend on and something that we don't have to fight for every year. Okay. So this won't be just part of the general fund budget. You're going to make sure it has its own dedicated right, revenue. Exactly. Now, Lisa, you also had a bill um, that was aimed at requiring landlords in unincorporated St. Louis County to accept tenants no matter what the source of their income is, which is basically people who are coming in with Section 8 vouchers. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the status of that? Well, I do want to. Um, you're you're getting at my source of income protection bill um, is sort of what it's known colloquially. It didn't require um, landlords to accept anyone. What it required was that they had to um, allow anyone, regardless of their source of income, to complete an application for housing. There's many other reasons why you know someone could have been tur- lawfully turned away, but um, the point is, is that we know that there are folks throughout the St. Louis region that are getting turned away and not even given a, a fair shot um, at applying for rental housing simply because they have some sort of government assistance that they would be using to pay for it. So, like these um, ads we see that say no section. No 
Section A to apply. Yeah. That would basically yeah. stop that practice. Exactly. Um, or it would be an attempt to stop that practice. So really, it's an anti-discrimination policy. Um, you know, I introduced that... I think last spring, and there was quite a debate, a heated debate on the council about that throughout the summer. And I ended up pulling back on that um, so that I could focus on other other ways to increase housing opportunity in St. Louis County, which is what led to um, you know digging into this affordable housing trust fund. But I'm still I am still concerned about discrimination in housing, and um, I think that this is a conversation that we need to pick back up or continue. It, you know, when the time is right. Do you think you will personally um, again? Uh, try to lead that charge? Um, I'm not going to speak to, I can't make a commitment to if I'm, you know, if or when I'm going to be reintroducing that bill. But I, again, I think that discrimination in housing and opportunity when it comes to housing is something that is a priority for our region. And I am committed to helping continue move forward on that issue. Now, Gary, going back to St. Louis City, they do have an ordinance just like that on the books. And the Equal Housing Opportunity Commission, which most of us know as EHOC, um, they had written a report that was pretty critical of how it was actually being implemented and enforced. Do you think there's a problem with the city ordinance lacking teeth? Or what needs to happen here in order to see that places where they have these laws, they're actually going to be followed? Well, I can't speak to the EHOC report, so Equal Housing Opportunity Council report, but I know it's a, I've read it. It's a great report, and I'd encourage all the listeners to read it as well. Um, but what I can say is that it is important that we try and find fair housing solutions. Um, when we're turning away people from affordable housing, um, that creates a problem for all of us. Um, people don't just disappear. People move around. It's a, I think I heard this on public radio earlier today. But, it's a good source. Uh, affordable housing can sometimes be a game of musical chairs. And unfortunately, in that game, not everyone gets a seat. Lisa, I did think it was interesting. It, it looks like Clayton and Webster Groves mm. both made changes to their fair housing laws in this last year. And so even though St. Louis County as a whole didn't take this on, we did see some smaller mm. municipalities doing that. Do you think we'll see more of those in the, the coming years? I do. I think we will. And I definitely, you know, I I want to give a lot of uh, kudos to my colleagues in Clayton and in Webster Groves, which are both in my county council district, um, for getting this done. And, and I know Webster, um, Clayton as well, but I know a little bit more about what Webster's working on has really committed to advancing affordable housing in Webster, which is also near and dear to me because I grew up in Webster. But I do think we're going to see more municipalities taking this on, and that's going to be really significant because one of the obstacles I faced in my source of income protection, for example, was that as a county lawmaker, I could not mandate something th for this throughout all of St. Louis County. My policy only could be for unincorporated areas of St. Louis County. So there was quite a divide there. So I think it's going to be very um, important for other municipalities to be looking at this. And I'm very proud of those within my own district who have prioritized this. Yeah, it felt like some of the um, unincorporated areas were saying, well, this isn't fair. This mm -hmm. wouldn't even apply in Webster yeah. Groves. Now Webster Groves has just yeah. gone around them. It yep. eliminates at least one argument mm -hmm. against it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's interesting to see the movement on this. People yeah. are paying more attention to these issues. Well, and, and speaking of the movement, Sarah, I one of the things that makes me so happy about how all of this came, um, you know, this bill getting done and passed was there was a really diverse coalition of people that came together to work on this, um, whether it was Gary and his colleagues and members of the Community Builders Network. We had the St. Louis Realtors step up, Generate Health, the Urban League. Um, I'm probably leaving some folks out. Um, Health Equity Works. And, and it also, you know, it was really neat to see community come together in support of this this priority. And, um, you know, I would also be remiss if I didn't um, mention um, the For the Sake of All report, the Dismantling the Divide report, and the Ferguson Commission report, which all helped to shine a light on this issue. 
Yeah, I just want to piggyback off of uh, Councilwoman Clancy's comment, too, that it was a really diverse coalition of partners who came together. So CBN, um, the organization I work for, we're part of a larger coalition called the Affordable Housing Trust mm-hmm. Fund, sorry, Affordable Housing Trust Fund Coalition. And uh, there were partners as diverse as schools, um, health institutions, developers, small businesses, um, everyday residents, churches, uh, transportation. Um, it was it was really incredible to see all the people that came to the table. And it'll be great to see um, what will happen next with this. So um, I want to thank you both for being here to, to fill us in on this. Gary Newcomer of the Community Builders Network of Metro St. Louis, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, St. Louis County Councilwoman Lisa Clancy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.